Well, good morning, and happy Mother's Day. Really? Thank you. I have a mother, but it is a great day. As we think about Mother's Day, and we think about how we take, take one day of the year and set it aside to say thank you to our mothers, those mother figures in our lives who show us unconditional love, who work behind the scenes to look after us, to nurture us, to care for us, to make sure we have all that we need, all that they can provide out of unconditional love. That's a powerful day. So I'm glad that we set aside this moment and this day as we recognize by the lighting of candles all the different mother figures that cross our path in life. It's another special day. These people here in front of us, so excited for you and for your parents. You have made it to the first of many, many other milestones. Graduation is rapidly approaching. Are you ready? Have you finished all your tests? All your No? Are you ready for the final test? All right, that's good. It's fantastic. Are you ready to be out of high school and... Making your way to college? Yeah? Are you sure? Do you know what lies ahead of you? No. <laughs> we don't, do we? We have no idea. But that's a wonderful thing about days like today. When we recognize all those mother figures in our life. And this church that has had your back. And if you'll turn around and look behind you now, you'll see the church still here, still supporting you, still praying for you, still lifting you up, still covering your back. It's a big day, and we want to celebrate that with you today. In a few moments, you're going to have the opportunity to come up here and tell us what you're going to do for the next 50 years of your life, <laughs> or at least next year. You're also going to receive a, a prayer shawl from our prayer shawl ministry. Take that with you. Take it with you to college, wherever you go, wherever you land. And know that there's a church in Mobile, Alabama that has prayed for you and will continue to pray for you. You'll also find in that bag a little book that looks just like this. It's called Three Simple Rules, A Wesleyan Way of Living by Reuben P. Job. Three simple rules. They're simple. They're not always easy, but they're simple. The first one is do no harm. And we say there's three simple rules, but under do no harm, there are 15 rules. One of my favorites is a rule number five against fighting, quarreling, brawling, Brother going to law with brother, returning evil for evil, or railing for railing. The use of many words in buying and selling. Another one is against doing to others as we would not they should do unto us. Don't you love the way John Wesley writes, speaks? What about rule number 13? Against softness and needless self-indulgence. If we go over to do good, the 
second simple rule. There are six of them. And then the last one, the third simple rule. By attending upon all the ordinances, ordinances of God, such as the public worship of God, the ministry of the word, either read or expounded, the supper of the Lord, family and private prayer, searching the scriptures, fasting or abstinence. Three simple rules. I hope you will take the chance, the opportunity to read. It won't take long. You could probably read it before you got home this afternoon. But it's a, it's a simple rule for living in a community, for living together. Like I said, they're simple. They're just not always easy. I think, that's why he, I think that's why John Wesley included the third rule about staying in love with God, attending, attending to the ordinances of God, because John Wesley understood as well as anybody that these rules are not possible without God without the Spirit of God leading us as a community, leading you as individuals, leading me as an leading all of us as individuals and members of this community of faith, the church. God does this. But I, like John Wesley, understand that God doesn't force us here. We don't have that kind of God. We have a God who invites us and invites us to be a part. And I pray and hope that we all, the 13 seniors today and all of your comrades and friends who will graduate with you in the coming days, that you will find a sense of community wherever you are, a faith community, to be a part of a, a Bible study, be a part of a church, a Wesleyan community on campus. Any faith community on campus. Because I know this, we can't do this by ourselves. You can't do life by yourself. And that's one of the lessons that we learn at the Gospel writer of Luke as he writes in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42 through 47. The Gospel writer of Luke understood that this Christian life, this, this faithful life that we are called to live, that we are invited into by God, by the grace, by the obedience and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that it takes a community. It takes a community to live this out. A community that will have our back. A community that will support us and encourage us and hold, hold us accountable when we need to be held accountable. That's the church. That's the kind of motherly love that the church offers. Wherever you are, wherever and whenever you find yourself in need, know that there's the church. There's one here in Mobile, Alabama that loves and prays for you regularly. In Acts, in chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, hear what happens after the day of Pentecost. That momentous occasion, that glorious day 
when the Spirit fell upon the disciples, the apostles, and Peter preached that sermon, and like tongues of fire fell upon those apostles. And as they spoke, as they preached, in their own tongue, Aramaic, people from all over the world, in their native tongues, heard, heard the word, the gospel, proclaimed. That was a big day. That was a huge day in the life of the church. We call it the birthday of the church. When the Spirit of God falls upon the community of God, gives birth to the church. Some 3,000 people were enrolled in the numbers of the church that day. What a day. It's as big as graduation. It's as as big as, as a wedding day. But you know, and we know, that life after the wedding day, life after the graduation, you don't live on that high mountain for the rest of your days. We will certainly have wonderful visions and views of the world on the, on the peaks of life. But that emotional you're high you're going to have on graduation, that emotional high you have when a birth of a child on your wedding day? No, nope, not every day is like that. Luke understood that. To help, to help us understand, to help the church understand, he lays out what life looked like for this called community, this empowered community by the Spirit of God. Luke writes, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Luke writes about this community that was being developed, that was birthed out of the Spirit of God. Luke is writing about us, the church. As the Spirit of God was poured out on the apostles, and as they spoke, people heard the call upon their life. They heard the invitation of the gospel to live a different life, a new life. And it looked different. Luke understood that this looked very different from the rest of the world. He understood that this life, this Christian life, this faithful life, had to be different. If we look at what happened in that, in that early, at that early, that first generation of Christians, we're told that they, they, they went to temple with the apostles and they sat with the apostles on the porches and porticos of the temple and listened to the apostles preach to those who were not part of the community 
and teach to those who were. So you have this, these bands, classes of people showing up to listen to the apostles, to hear what they have to say, to experience Jesus Christ, to experience the gospel, the good news, the invitation of God to be a part of something different, to be a part of something good. And they are also told that after attending temple, attending the lessons and classes and, and services with the apostles, that they shared fellowship together. In the Greek, that's koinonia, and it's a spirit-led fellowship that empowers life together in such a way that we as humanity could not do upon ourselves. We just can't. We don't have the capacity. We don't have the, what it takes to live in such a way. It's only by the power of God, only by the Spirit of God, that we can choose and live in such a fellowship. A fellowship that allows us to see one another in need, to experience need, to experience the, the, the joy of life and the sorrows of life together. To be able to sit at a table with one another. To share a fellowship at supper in such a way that even our enemies can join us. Even people who are completely unlike us. In that first generation of churches, it was so different because we had the clean and the unclean eating together. We had the poor and the rich eating together. We had the righteous and the unrighteous eating together. Greek and Gentile eating together. This was completely, this was cats and dogs together. This was unheard of, unmatched. And it was all by the power of God. All by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now I, when I think about this first generation church, I... I can't help but think about how they, how they shared life together. And I, I can't help but think that Luke is kind of looking back and recalling, kind of you know, hearkening back to the old days, you know, the good old days of life. Do you remember the good old days? What were they like? What was it like in your good old day? I know I was with my dad one time. I was a small child, and my, my dad was at a... I think it was a church reunion or a class reunion, and one of his friends said, oh, don't you remember the good old days? Don't you want to go back to the good old days? And my dad just kind of looked at him and kind of shook his head, didn't really say anything. And the guy just went on and on and on about the good old days and how good they were, and oh, wouldn't it be great to be able to go back? And I remember in the car on the way home, I said, Dad, you didn't, I said, you don't, you don't want to go to the good old days? And he said, I remember the good old days. It was about perseverance, endurance. It's about poverty. I don't want to go back. I like where I am. And maybe that's a lesson that Luke wants us to know. Is that the good old days in that first generation church are the same good old days for us now here at Ashland Place. No one... Several years ago, Leanne took a mission trip to 
the coast of South Carolina, and she, um, they were working on a church. It was an African-American church there in, uh, on, the, on the coast, and they were not a wealthy church by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it was on a Palm Sunday service that the youth group was there, and they wanted to bring palms in and you know, pay for the palms and palm branches and plants and and the pastor of the church said, Don't don't buy that. We don't we don't need that. If you want to do something, you know, help somebody in need. And so they went to the church service and here we have this you know African American congregation there on the coast of South Carolina and, and you have all these youth from the suburbs of Atlanta and they're trying to you know fit in and just trying to enjoy a church service and and when Leanne told me about this church service I was absolutely amazed because they had the offering and so the ushers came and they took the offering plates and they passed them out and the plates passed out through the through the congregation and people made their offering and then the the ushers came back up, and later in the service, the ushers came, and they, were, they held the plates in the middle of the, of the chancel area, and it was, it was a time for the birthday gift. And so if you had a birthday that week, you would come down to the offering plates and put money in the plate. Now, now, now there's a birthday for you. Come down and put some more money in the plate. For those in, in need. And then as a response to the sermon, they had a, a family come down to the front and they held the plate. The family had its house damaged in a storm. They couldn't afford the roof. They couldn't afford the repairs. And so people in the congregation came down and made an offering for this family holding the plate. Life in the church is different from the rest of the world. We're called to be different. We're created to be different. The Spirit has poured out upon us to be different from the rest of the world. But we're not different just to be different. We're different to be a sign to be an invitation to the world. When the world sees the sharing within the community of faith, when they see the common life together, the worship and the prayer, the unconditional love, that motherling love, the world will take notice. And the world will want to be a part because the world knows it's missing something. The world may not know what, but they know that whatever a faithful church has, that's what's missing in the world. And so I thank God for that first generation church, for Peter and the apostles, for preaching and teaching in the porticos and porches of the temple. I thank God for that first generation church in sharing life together like Barnabas. I thank God 
for communion. An open table that invites the world to come and experience the grace of God. The invitation to the gospel. And I thank God for churches like Ashland Place. That offers tangible and spiritual prayers for 13 seniors who are about to take the next step in life, to pass one milestone towards another. I thank God for the sharing of life in Ashland Place. When we rejoice together on days like today and last week in confirmation, and in a couple weeks we will mourn together as one of our loved ones has been lost. That's sharing life together. Three simple rules. They're simple. But they're not always easy. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.